This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. Remember, on December 23rd at 2 p.m. Eastern, folks, our Holiday Kitchen Christmas party will be afoot. Check it out, our gift to you, the folks here at Kelly and Company. That program comes your way on December 23rd. Brock Richardson, Kelly McDonald, hosts of the show, hanging out with you today on your Friday, swinging open the gateway to the weekend, working our way through uh, the program. And let's check in with John Beeler. It's time for our weekly app update. And I think some interesting conversational pieces he's got on the table from us as he joins us from BC. Uh, John, welcome back. And here's an interesting decision that I must admit looking at it and saying, uh, okay, I mean, I know things always change. The more things change, they stay the same. But in a lot of cases, we are able to change technology enough to what we couldn't do last year, we might be able to do today. Uh, a new decision from the uh, European Commission will make airplane mode obsolete in the EU next year, allowing passengers to actually use data during flights. Wow. Let's, what's, what's the scoop on this one? Yeah, I, I would agree. It's a pretty big deal. You said it's something that we've never really been allowed to do unless you're using sort of the onboard Wi-Fi and it's you know usually quite slow. You can't stream Netflix or anything else like that. So what the EU is uh, basically has regulated is that come uh, summer of 2023, June, uh, airlines are going to be able to offer 5G service on their flights. So essentially, you're going to be using your phone like you are on the ground. They're going to use something called a Pico cell, which will actually then basically it'll connect your phone to a little micro 5G network, talk to a satellite, and then go down to a base station. And you're going to get some pretty good speeds. You're going to be able to stream your Netflix. You're going to be able to do video calling, play any apps or games you would normally do on, on the ground. Um, the only thing that's not clear to me is how much we're going to pay for this feature. Yes. Because it's not yes. going to just work, right? Because no. the airlines do have to put some hardware on there to do that. But in North America, they haven't really budged on this because even the 5G antennas that are being, or the cell towers that are being put up for 5G service across North America, there's still some debate that they may be in a similar range to interfere with navigational systems. Uh, they're very close uh, in the, the bands that they use. And so this will be an interesting test. But like we see a lot of times with stuff in the EU, generally it comes to North America afterwards. Well, that was the first thing I thought about. Uh, we go from having less than a year ago to, uh, hey, no way, man, this 5G stuff is creating problems for the airlines and a, a, a safety hazard around airports. Get it the heck out of there. And now over in Europe... Oh, no, no, we're going to use that to do, uh, you know, what people want. And, yeah, you know, they're right. I mean, if people could have this access um, to be able to do this stuff, pick and choose the things you want, watch your Netflix or whatever, instead of the weird movie collection they might have on the plane, th it's a win-win. Or be able to do your work like you can on a, on a train or something scooting across the countryside, and especially in the U.S., where you have so many cities close together and a lot of that is done. This is an amazing thing to be able to do. But I, I just find it shocking, and I am 
appreciative as much as I think it would be great. And I know I'm not flying all the time where people who are saying, oh, yeah, get it here as soon as possible. I think it is something, John, we're best to wait and watch. Yeah. Uh, although it's interesting, like I kind of look at being on a, especially a long haul flight as time to unplug. Yes. So true. This, everyone's going to be on the phone with their kids and their families and stuff like that. So it could be a less relaxing flight. Well, and we never know how much is industry when things like, well, we're going to sit and wait. You know, we don't know about the in the background deals being made with the airlines saying, hold on a sec, the cost of this, how are we going to make our money? We, we know all often a lot of our delays are, okay, how's this going to work out best to my advantage? Absolutely. Uh Next one, this is an interesting one. Facebook is testing ways for people to verify their age on dating app using AI face screening. Tell me more. This sounds like a good thing just to verify that people are the age they say they are. Yeah, this is an interesting thing that, uh, like, you, like you said, Facebook is currently testing uh, and the problem is they want to make sure that no one under the age of 18 is using the Facebook dating app. And so up until now, the way you would have to prove that you're of age would be to upload your uh, driver's license, passport, some kind of uh, government issued ID. But the new system will allow you to take a little quick selfie video of your face and send it up uh, to Facebook. And then Facebook uses a third party service which then uses AI to determine your age. And they claim a 99.65% accuracy rate. Although um, that's specifically for, let's say, 15 to 35-year-old people. Anybody older than that, it kind of starts to lose some of its um, uh, accuracy. And also it seems to have some problems identifying the age of some females and people of darker colors complexion. So it's a, it's not a perfect service, but it's an interesting way to sort sort of filter out um, the kids from the dating apps, but there's no word if they're going to use this to make sure that the 45 year old isn't masquerading as an 18 year old on the dating app. Yeah, that's, that would be the, the, the main question I'm sure. And you know, the, the thing is, is as we know with the uploading licenses or government IDs, unfortunately, as much as I'd like to believe, you know, society doesn't do this. There are ways to, 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 you know, forge these types of things. So, I mean, I get, you know, if we're using AI as the example to do this, this is good. My question would be, what if it, I mean, I hear you on the, you know, 90 plus rating uh, to do this, but what if this, thing happens to get a situation wrong and somebody says hey but i am that old so it'll be interesting to kind of see what did they use as a second step verification if on that one or two percent chance that it does get it wrong and somebody says but i am this age of this person as opposed to them just saying nope sorry you don't belong here and off you go <laughs> yeah i i imagine that would probably revert to a human to uh verify the results but I can see it being problematic no matter what happens. For Not sure. to mention the privacy concerns about uploading a video of yourself. Um, right. What happens to that video? It's going to a third-party service. 
Meta is not exactly completely clean in this respect as far as uh, history of uh, abusing uh, users' content. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. And again, (laughs) it's always the evolving, right? Um, John, let's take a look at something else a little interesting because OpenAI has opened a new chatbot that's been trained to give conversational answers to users uh, pertaining the questions they ask. Interesting. Yeah, this is something that literally just got turned on about a week ago, and it's called ChatGPT. And I have to say, it's one of the few pieces of technology that has literally got me excited in a way that I haven't seen since maybe I saw the internet for the first time. Wow. Because essentially what what this service is, is a trained um, uh, set of data models, and you can ask it, to do almost anything. You can ask it to write a blog post about itself and it'll write a 500 word blog post or however long you want blog post about itself. But you can also have it write a blog post about itself in a different language. You can have it write a blog post about itself in the style of a forties wise guy. So he'll, <laughs> they'll have all the sort of slang and that kind of stuff. And the really crazy thing, and this is where it's really actually getting um, almost scary is that, it will actually write code for programmers. So when I was testing this last night, someone who's a web developer wanted to have some code that would basically let you animate a video on a web page. And that's literally all I asked it to do is write me some code that will animate a video on a web page. And it started to write the code. And the code is really good code. It's clean code. It's well documented. It shows you how it does everything. And that's all I've asked it to do is write me some code about this thing. And people are finding all kinds of different interesting ways of using this because this thing can write a business case for your company. It can write a marketing plan for your, for your product. It can write blog posts. It can write social media content. You just have to ask it in a conversational way, almost anything. A lot of people are saying this could replace Google in the sense that it's just so conversational and you can just basically ask what you're thinking and it will be pretty good at coming up with a response that is mostly usable. Not all the code it writes is perfect. Not all the blog posts it writes are perfect, but at least it gets you like 80 or 90% of the way there. And then you just go in and have to clean it up a little bit, but your work is done. Imagine what this would do for like school essays. Wow. If you can get the AI to write an essay for you Well, and- on any topic. And, and it's interesting because I know we have to think about stuff like that. So many of us think, well, that's cheating. That's getting something that we, again, our society moves to where we have the helpers. That's, that's kind of like saying someone driving a car when it was invented. Well, that's cheating. What about your horse and buggy? You know, why would that, you know, it, it, it's, it's progress. Things change. So it's very interesting to think about it. Or like you said, John, it got you so excited because you're able to stop and rethink how this is a benefit to so many areas of society as opposed to a negative. Did you come up with any negative? Um, well, the, the, I guess the negative would be potentially the impact on, on people's jobs and livelihoods. Right. Um, the example I gave before about the web page and code that I was talking with a web developer and she wanted to know what that code would look like. And so I showed it to her and she was blown away because she wants to focus on doing graphic stuff. So now she doesn't have to hire a web person. She can just get the AI to do it for her. Wow. So 
there's a shift there, right? And that's just one example of probably thousands. And I just keep seeing every day on social media, people finding other interesting uses for this technology. And the really kind of freaky part about this is this particular version of the software that we're using that's available for free right now. If you just, if you just Google chat GPT, uh, it'll come up with a link and you can try it yourself. Um, the, the models that they're using are from 2021. They're not even using the latest wow. versions of the software publicly. Incredible. You can only imagine how much better it is now because everyone's using it on the 2021 models and training it on what's right and what's wrong. You can actually give it feedback. It's like, well, you know, I didn't quite like that business plan. You need to change this thing and it'll rewrite it for you. Wow. And, and react just like that and do it. Uh, speed must be incredible because, as you mentioned, what if this thing was something that could replace Google, or if Google decided we're going to buy this thing because this is coming after us. Yeah, I mean, you, you also have to think Google's probably working on something similar. They just haven't sure. revealed it yet. Wow, that's really phenomenal. And when you think about it that way, John, you think about what what is ahead? What What is this going to look like, this horizon, uh, since we're just on the frontier? Well, it's funny you mentioned frontier. This just feels like Star Trek to me. I mean, yeah. In, in the TV show, they would just talk to a computer, not unlike us talking to our smart assistants, and ask it something. And the conversational way that they were able to ask it and get a result is here now. Wow. And it so is. John, as usual, interesting stuff. And I'm absolutely blown away by the excitement you have about it when you really put it into perspective, look at some of the things, the perspective that it can give us. Uh, and again, always having to figure out, okay, what's the negative impact? But when the positives can outweigh and help so many people in different ways and let a lot of us accomplish stuff, you know, you can't have help say win-win. Uh, sir, always appreciate you being with us on the Fridays. We look forward to talking to you in the new year and having you with us uh, when Kelly and Rumya hits the air. Can't wait. Thanks, John. Appreciate it. John Beeler joins us on Fridays as we get into conversations about apps and so much more always right here on Kelly and Company. Uh, we're going to step aside for a couple of moments, folks. Uh, we hope you'll stick around with us. Vancouver Content Development Specialist so will be sharing some really great news about a new provincial employment programming uh, program that is going to be offering support to low vision and blind individuals. Stay tuned. Up next, that conversation. The Walrus is Canada's conversation, and you're invited to take part. Download AMI's Voices of the Walrus, where professional narrators read selected articles from the magazine. Available wherever you download your AMI podcasts.